Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 5, the Enforcer-Based Podcasting. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. And, uh, hey, hope everybody's staying healthy and safe out there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, today I, I won't, uh, I don't know about, uh, won't make too long of an episode today. I know that's a, that's a rarity. Uh, after my, uh, was about two hour, two and a half hour marathon with Steve and the last one, uh, with his top 25, which was, uh, which was received, uh, was great, uh, the response to it and, uh, you know, created a lot of, uh, conversation on Twitter, which was good to see. And, um, you know, everybody has their opinion and which was cool. And, um, you know, and then on Sunday, um, which I, every Wednesday put out a new episode. And then on Sundays, I like to, uh, as we call it, uh, opening the vault and, uh, going back and getting one of my old, uh, player, player interviews. And on Sunday I put out, uh, Brad Wingfeld. And if you haven't had a chance, I, uh, highly recommend going to go listen to that. It was a, it's a three hour interview with a minor league legend. I mean, Brad and Brad was great, told some awesome stories and really rare interview. Like I don't, to this day, I don't think he's done another one, um, as far as I know. And, uh, I know from talking to, to other players and friends of his, um, they couldn't believe I got the interview. That was, like you said, it's really rare that Brad would do that. He does usually outside of his circle of kind of hockey friends, doesn't really talk about the, you know, the stories too much. And, uh, I have to thank Chris Walls for setting that up. He's a friend of Brad's and, uh, he's been on the show. I'll get Chris's episode up as well, but, uh, um, he hooked it all up and no, like I said, and Brad was super cool and, and I had a lot of fun talking to him. And, uh, and before that, uh, the Sunday previous, uh, episode two, I had, uh, I had re re up my, uh, John nasty morasty interview, which, uh, you know, I know John's done a few shows. Um, but I'd like to think, uh, uh my interview is definitely the most, uh, in depth. I mean, we cover his entire career from junior SJHL to WHL all the way through pro to the crazy Quebec league. And, uh, and John was great and I am busy dude. And I was, I was happy that he, uh, you know, sat down for almost two hours and, uh, he was on the move. I think he was in the, he was in the car doing it, but, uh, he was great. And he told some great stories and, uh, you know, I, uh, I highly recommend, uh, going back and checking that out if you haven't already. Um, yeah. So today's show, I just kind of, um, you know, it's, it's funny. I was, I was standing to a friend of mine. I said, when I had my own website, I kind of could do this whenever I wanted. And I was kind of sporadic with my, with my, uh, with my shows, uh, you know, I'd kind of just make them here and there and everywhere and put them all sporadically. But now with the, on the network here, they kind of want me to do, you know, new content every Wednesday. And, uh, I mean, so far, I mean, it's only been a few weeks, but, um, I've managed to do it, but it, it's sort of, uh, I said, I put one episode out and all of a sudden it seems like it's Wednesday again. I'm like, oh shit, you know? Um, 
So I'll have to track down some guests. I've got some, uh, you know, some uh, irons in the fire in terms of asking players and stuff. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, same old story. You wait for replies and try to try to um, set up schedules. And, uh, you know, we'll see. But, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. I'm not going to go into all that. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Like I said, I'm trying here, folks. So, but uh, at the same time, it, uh, you know, I'm going to do my show, right? And uh, like I said, there's lots of... Uh, Lots of um, hockey podcasts to listen to these days. I mean, it seems like it, you know, it's almost cliche to have one now, right? I mean, everyone seems to have one from ex-players to, to you know, and, um, you know, even on the network here, we have, uh, you know, Hockey to Heroin with Brady Levolt and uh, Terry Ryan, and then, of course, all the NHL teams, all 32, was it 32, 31? I don't even know how many teams there are. 32, I think, are covered. And, um, you know, each, each with their own show and, uh, you know, analytics podcast. So, I mean, you know, it's the, the full gamuts here on the network. So, you know, and then of course you have John Scott and Spit and Chiglets, of course, and, uh, you know, all those guys. So, I mean, we're all sort of fighting for airtime, right? And, uh, or for people's attention. So, uh, you know, if, if you've decided to, um, tune in and you're listening to me right now, like I say, I always say it's greatly appreciated and, uh, you know, and, um, you know, try to be entertaining and, and kind of give a, a, a different, different look on different spin on things, like an old school look. Cause like I, I think there's lots of current stuff going on, obviously. I mean, that's the majority of it. Um, you know, but with the player interviews, try to bring their stories. And then, like I said, interview different fans. And, uh, like I said, we'll talk about a number of different topics. Like I said, everybody, everybody seems to enjoy the list. So, uh, it was a lot of fun to get Steve on. So again, that was when Probert was king.com. Check out his website. And like I said, that whole article's there with video and, um, and he's got a, he's got a number of articles you should check out. But, uh, no, for this episode, I was just sort of, uh, I was kind of bouncing around Twitter there for the last few weeks. And, um, you know, I know Joe Haggerty there. I think that's his name, the Bruins writer. He does something in Boston anyway, but he did a, he did his Bruins all time top 10 fighter list. And, uh, it was an interesting list. And of course that, you know, again, it produced a lot of, uh, a lot of comments and, uh, some back and forth and, uh, you know, some, uh, some interesting takes on it. I'll get into that shortly. Um, also, um, you know, well, of course the whole hockey culture thing was back in the news with, uh, Brandon Lipsick and, uh, Lipsick, Lipsinks, Lip, well, that's not Lipsink, Lipsick. Um, you know, with his, uh, his, uh, chat, group chat getting hacked and, uh, made public. And of course, um, you know, w- with all that came, you know, outrage and, uh, um, you know, some pretty, some pretty shit comments made towards teammates and wives and stuff, which, you know, at the, you know, and it was interesting because then as I was talking about it, I'm like, you know, I said at the end of the day, I mean, you know, people didn't want to hear it, but it was like, well, I'm like, well, he's the victim in all this. Oh, what are you talking about? He said this about women. And I, well, yeah, I'm not saying that was right what he said, but at the end of the day, his private conversation got hacked. So, I mean, he's the victim in all this. This is what people seem to forget. And uh, I'm not excusing what he said, but I'm like, it's a private conversation. And all these people that like to get on their moral high horse and act like, uh, you know, they're above everything. Yeah. I think if the world, uh, you know, saw your text messages or saw your drunk conversation with your friends, mm, I don't think you've been the most polite. Not every everyone's had their less than stellar moments, and uh, you know, I, I, uh, so every, I think people sometimes, you know, glass house, right? So um, again, not excusing what he did, but at the same time, 
I said it was a private conversation. And uh, if he never plays in the NHL again, I said, well, if he had a good lawyer, I think he might be able to, uh, you know, there could be could be a lawsuit there. Um, cause you know, and everybody wants to applaud the Washington Capitals and everything else and, oh, they're so P oh, it's so great. Yeah. You know, let, let's, you know, would that have been Ovechkin? You think they would have released him? Mm, no. So I said, when it was a bottom six guy, that's interchangeable. I said, oh, everybody can look like they're doing the, they can, everybody can be righteous at that point when it's an interchangeable cookie cutter bottom six. Um, you know, so, you know, we'll see. But, uh, and then Brett Hall, of course, with his comments and, uh, which it was the, the funny thing was reading, of course, the, the Scott Wheelers of the world and the media people and everybody being outraged by it. And like I said, again, acting self-righteous and everything else, you know, where, where the, with the ironic thing of the whole thing is that you, you, they did exactly what Brett Hall was talking about. And, uh, you know, with the social media world and, and uh, cancel culture and everything else. It's um, which was what he was talking about. He wasn't trying to excuse. He was also, um, yeah. It was, it's just the whole thing's just ridiculous. And like I said, it's uh, it's uh, young young. I always say not yet young folks, but just folks in general um, practicing recreational outrage. You know, and uh, it just gets tiresome after a while. And uh, and then um, when you try to point out a few of the of the flaws in their argument, they just assume that uh, oh, well, you're you're one of them and you're agreeing with them. Like old Jill, there. I know you're not listening, but Jill, of course, just couldn't get her wrap her head around what I was saying. And uh, you know, I noticed there you took you didn't tag me in your tweet there, but you took a shot at me. I saw it on your page there. You know, like I said, that's the other thing. You know as much as you condemn everything else, but then you don't have the, uh, you know, you don't have the guts to actually text me or tag me in the tweet. You know, that sort of shows your, uh, your, what your the irony of what you were saying. But, um, you know, again, it's Twitter. And like I said, idiocy runs rampant and, uh, it was completely going over her head, what I was saying. So whatever. So if anybody knows who I'm talking about, get back to her, call her a fucking idiot for me. Um, you know, so it was just, yeah, whatever. But, um, no, other than that, um, I know the NHL, there's been, uh, rumors, uh, the American league has actually canceled their season, but the, uh, the NHL is sort of him and hawing about, uh, finishing it up and playing in like neutral site places or in Florida at empty rinks here. Hold on. Cheers folks. And playing in, neutral site games and that type of thing to finish the season with no fans and, and all that. But I was reading on, on Twitter, uh, Ryan Rashog had put up the, uh, the, uh, build the NHL with, uh, uh, Bill Daly and, and stuff. They were the rules that they were talking about, had a conversation with infectious disease specialists about possibly ways to modify the game to reduce the risk of virus spreading during play. Um, I'm not suggesting any or all of these are necessary, simply relaying what a few of the options could be. And the NHLPA would obviously have to agree to any such changes. So get these ones. Full face shields. 
No fighting allowed. No scrums after whistles for linesmen to have to break up. Coaches social distance and wearing face masks on the bench. Wingers to maintain two feet of distance on face-offs instead of the traditional crossing of sticks and leaning into one another's space. And no spitting on the ice or bench. Really? Come on. At, the, at that point, it's, um, how about we just uh, shut it down there, boys? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> No scrums after whistle, no fighting. I'm like, well, I mean, they pretty much do that now. And if you're playing the games in Florida, they're used to not, they're used to playing with no fans either. So, um, I mean, I said, well, it's essentially just they've just turned it into college hockey like they always wanted, you know. So, I think if that's the case, if those are the rules, um, why don't we just shut the season down and uh, restart in September and uh, and go from there? Um, I think that would be. Cause that's just ridiculous. But, uh, anyway, those were the rules that they were talking about, but, um, um, oh, and uh, I should have said this earlier. Uh, and he has bounced back out of it. I should have, I should have led with this, but, uh, of course it was reported, uh, George LaRock had obviously caught uh, COVID. And, uh, from what I could tell and read, he is out of hospital and recovering. And he was, he actually did an interview on some show, um, this week. And, uh, so that was good to hear that big George, uh, fought out of it but uh yeah he was saying it was brutal so uh well, yeah scary stuff and the big athlete like that can get taken down but uh apparently he's uh coming back from it so that was good to hear but uh other than that what do we got oh yeah the Bruins top 10 all right I will uh from Joe Haggerty here I will read these off and uh you know you guys let me know what you think but uh we have number 10 was Lyndon Byers. I'll go through them and then we'll discuss here. Number 10 was Lyndon Byers. Number 9 was PJ Stock. Number 8 was Mike Milbury. Yeah. Number 7 was Milan Lucic. 6, Dan Jonathan. 5, Sean Thornton. 4, Wayne Cashman. 3, Jay Miller. 2, Cam Neely. And 1, Terry O'Reilly. Um, interesting list. Um, you know, of course, you know, I, I kind of went through the Bruins all-time roster and I was like, okay, well, who who is not listed there that we could kind of talk about? And of course, you had Brian Curran, Chara, Al uh, Secord, Adam McQuaid, Nevin Marquardt, John Winsink, um, Ken Belanger, Baumgartner, uh, Chris Nyland, um, Doug Dowell, Eddie Shore, Darren Kimball, Odgers, Talkett, Olawa, um, Big Old Saskatchewan Boy, underrated, uh, Gordy Kluzak, um, yeah, so I mean, you know, Kimball and Rogers and those guys and talk and stuff. I mean, you know, those are kind of one season guys. But uh, yeah, it was an interesting list. I mean, um, I always say with anybody, you know, I mean, it's opinions, right? But I mean, uh, and a lot of this stuff's interchangeable in terms of numbers and seating and whatever or rating. But um, you know, with buyers, um, I, I don't know if a lot of people realize this or not. If you go back and look at his stats, I mean, Lyndon Byers was a, like in junior, he's a true power forward and a high draft pick. And he actually played for Canada on the world junior team. I mean, he had back to back 30 some goal seasons and, you know, a bunch of fights. And, uh, Lyndon was a really good player. And I know the one year of Boston, it was like, what, 40 some games? He had like 12 goals. I mean, Lyndon had skills. It was just, um, you know, and I mean, he'll be the first to admit, I don't think he took it serious. He was kind of a party guy and, and injuries really, you know, he was never in shape and injuries and whatever. But in terms of just natural talent, Byers is really good. Um, like a far better player than people give him credit for. And, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, we really didn't get to see that in his career, in his injury riddled career. But, uh, 
Um, but in terms of the fighting, um, he was, he was pretty good. And I'm not certainly not claiming to be a buyer's expert in terms of his fight card, but I know he had that uppercut. He had that, you know, and I mean, I know he remember he caught Van Dorp and Cochran with, I always, I'd like to talk to him and because I've read different things and he just hates Wayne Van Dorp and it's, and I've, you know, and I've, uh, I've always wanted to like ask him like, why, like, what did he do to you? You know, like it was interesting. I just always wanted to know that, but, uh, yeah, he buckled Van Dorp and then Ed and Cochran and stuff. So, yeah, Lennon had that uppercut there, and uh, he, you know, and definitely solid number two tag team partner with Jay Miller. I mean, the Bruins definitely had a pretty good combo right there. And uh, number nine was PJ Stock. I mean, you know, how can you argue with about Stock? I mean, you know, in terms of um, uh, entertainment value, I mean. He's second to none in terms of fight. I mean, little guy, but would just toe to toe with just open swing and just like no regard for his own face or anything. He would just give her, you know. So I mean, I mean, if you're a fight fan, you don't like PJ Stock. I mean, I don't know what's wrong with you. But uh, number eight, Milbury. Uh, yeah, um, like I mean, you know, he did fight. He played, you know, and he played a physical game and he played a long time. Um, the guy's such a douchebag, though. The one thing I always laugh about Milbury is I guarantee as soon as I said Mike Milbury, everybody brings up the shoe thing and going into the crowd. It's like, yeah, but you also forget O'Reilly and all them went to the crowd first. Milbury was just sticking up for his boys, right? Like his teammates. He went to the crowd to help them out because they were getting attacked by the fans. So I always laugh that he gets, he's the one that gets like shit on out of that. You know, it's like, well, Riley went in there first and no one ever brings that up. I'm trying to stick up for Milbury, but I mean, them's the facts, you know? And, uh, oh, he did hit the guy with the shoe, which was actually, I'm like, I don't know why we hold that against him. That was actually really funny. But, uh, I mean, he's done way, you know, he's done other shit that you could get dumped on, you know, in terms of his GM to it's just his shitty comments. And I mean, you you hear stories about him and whatever. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. And then you see his commentary. Not that I'm watching Mike Milbury's commentary, but I've seen it a few times. It's pretty eye-rolling. I think he's trying to be the American Don Cherry or something. But, you know, he's just wishy-washy and, yeah, whatever. But, yeah, in terms of fighting, he's, he wasn't that great. He'd do it, but, I mean, he wasn't a very good fighter. And in terms of a top 10 all-time Bruins list, he'd be nowhere near my top 10 Bruins list. But uh, number seven, uh, Lucic. Um, yeah, definitely. Um you know, I know nowadays it's kind of the end thing is to dump on him. And, uh, and he's had some couple rough seasons and, you know, I'm a Lucic guy and I mean, I'm not even going to try to defend him. I mean, you know, um, yeah, it's tough and it sucks to see. Cause like I said, I'm a big Lucic fan, been a fan since junior, watched him grow up really in bank playing with the giants. And, um, you know, he was awesome. And I will say, like, I always say, like, even when he made the team at 18, I was so surprised he made the NHL at 18. And then, uh, and then to have the success he had, you know, 30 goal season and shit, it was like, cause it wasn't like he was a massive scorer in junior. Like his best season was 30 goals in junior one year, you know? So, I mean, I think people had this thing that they were getting Cam Neely and it was like, mm, no, you know, but, um, and even now, like he's been traded a few times and they still, oh, he's never going to match his production. Well, if you look up until the last couple of seasons, he's averaged like 18 goals a year consistently, you know, with LA, with the Bruins, with LA. And then, you know, his first year at Edmonton was good. And it was like, so I don't know what people expect, but I mean, he just had a really good agent that got him a really good contract. I mean, so I guess for that much money, they expect 40 goals, um, you know, 
you know, and whatever, I get it, but, you know, he's never going to be that guy. Even in his prime, he wasn't going to be that guy. So I always, I've always said to this day that I just assumed he'd be like Chris Neal, right? The 10 goal, 10 fight guy. That was Lucic to me. But, um, yeah, I really would like to see him, um, like, I think his, probably his time in the league is done, I would think. Um, you know, which is a shame. I mean, I think if you could get him cheap, like, million, two million bucks. I mean, yeah, I'd put him on the third line. He'd be a solid third line guy because, in my opinion, him and Reeves are the two toughest guys in the league. And, I mean, everybody goes on about Reeves. Well, Lucci could go with Reeves without a doubt, even at this age. It's not like he's that old. What's how old Lucic anyway? Like 32, you know? So, I mean, yeah, he could definitely hang with Reeves still for sure. He could probably beat Reeves. But, um, you know, I just, man, it's, it's a shame. I, if it was it, I'd hate to see him go out like this, you know, with like these four or five goal seasons. It's just like, ah, oh, man, just tough, tough times. But, um, but number six, uh, Stan Jonathan. I mean, there you go. Kind of the, uh, you know, everybody tied for the younger fans is like Ty Domi. You know, he was Ty Domi's Stan Jonathan 2.0, really. I mean, uh, you know, smaller fire plug kind of guy could throw both hands as Pierre Bouchard found out. And just, um, just, just a, and, a, and again, another skilled, solid player, 20 goal guy. Um, but yeah, he would stand in there and just go and fight everybody and fearless. With Don Cherry, you say Stan Jonathan was so tough. You saw him get a 12 stitch cut and he didn't bleed, you know, but, um, and I know he was one of Don Cherry's favorite players, but, uh, yeah, tough dude, man. Number five, Sean Thornton. I mean, you look up dedication and like warrior in the dictionary, it'd be Thornton. I mean, the guy played so long. I mean, he played, I don't know how many, would he five or six or seven AHL seasons before getting in, before becoming an NHL regular. And then I don't know how many games did he play in the NHL, five or 600. I mean, the guy put in miles and, uh, you know, two cups and, you know, made some NHL money, which was good to see. And just a tough dude every year, just consistent. He never took a year off and, uh, you know, um, was always there. Not the biggest dude. Um, you know, six one, two ten. you know, certainly wasn't a monster, but I mean, fought everybody. And, uh, yeah, I'm a huge Sean Thornton fan. Um, and he was really a, really a popular figure in Boston. And, and it was great to see a guy, like I said, that put all that time in St. John and Norfolk and, you know, and, and Portland and, and put in the miles on the bus in the American league to, to finally get his shot in the American, in the NHL and win the cups and, no, that was really cool. Um, number four was Wayne Cashman. Yeah, we say with Cashman, it was like uh, you'd, you'd watch the fights of the old tapes, and it looked like the high school jander, and they're just throwing like just wicked lefts, and you know with a comb over. <laughs> but the dude was legit, um, like mean lefty, and um, you know again, I'm not going to try to act like I'm some sort of like '70s Bruins expert, but I mean I've seen lots of. Lots of footage, and uh, yeah, Cashman was no joke for sure. Um, yep, and uh, man, those teams we get him and Jonathan and O'Reilly and Winsink and Secord, Jesus, you know. And I mean, even the skilled like skilled guys were no were no slouch. And uh, yeah, big bad Bruins, right? But uh, number three, Jay Miller. Um, yeah, you know, and it's it's funny as I've gotten older, you definitely learn to. Um, you'd learn to appreciate these guys more when you get older. I remember growing up, I just, him and for some reason, Jay Miller and Basil McRae drove me nuts. I couldn't stand him. But I mean, 
like I said, I appreciate them now. You watch, and I mean, you know, Jay Miller's fight card second to none, and guy took on everybody, and got looked well uh, by the whole time looking like Carl Rackey from Youngblood, and um, yeah, tough dude. I mean, uh, I, I don't, I can't remember why he's, he get, ended up. Wouldn't he catch like a virus or something? And he was like losing weight, and they didn't know what it was, and it basically kind of ended his career in L.A. I believe that's what happened, and uh, which was kind of it was really strange. And I mean, it was just like there one day, gone the next, and like no one knows what happened. But I know, um, you know, post hockey, I know he runs a in Martha Vineyard. He has a really successful restaurant. And he's doing really well, so that was cool to hear. But uh, yeah, old Jay Miller, him and Cordick, man, what a rivalry. Um, number two, Cam Neely. Now, Neely is probably, besides Wendell Clark, is my favorite player of all time. Um, you know, power forward, Hall of Famer. Um, really didn't actually fight all that much. Um, but when he did, he was, like, vicious. Left, left-handed and, uh, um, yeah, and just, like, got this spazzy, wide-open swing. And he was a bleeder, and you know, but he would swing. And some great fights with Tockett and Corson and... Uh, at Baumgartner and you know and of course the series with all Samuelson that you know everybody wanted to see him basically kill Samuelson right so yeah I mean I don't know if I'd say he's the number two best fighter in Bruins history I wouldn't say that but um in terms of just you know um heart and soul guy talent power forward <coughs> pardon me um yeah, man. What, what what is there more to say about Cam Neely? And then number one, of course, Terry O'Reilly. I mean, that's pretty hard to can't really argue with that. I mean, I'd actually agree with that. Um, in terms of Bruins fighters, I mean, you know, like I said, it's not like he was undefeated or anything like that. But just in terms of numbers and uh, and what he brought to the team, and just you know, lifelong Bruin and um, just that attitude, right? And a solid player, really good player. And uh, but drop the gloves with anybody, would swing and just go down, get up, go down, get up, you know, and he really truly was a Tasmanian devil out there. And, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely Terry O'Reilly. So yeah, it was an interesting list. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, I threw out the honorable mentions and of course the biggest one, which the argument has been going on for days now on, on Twitter, um, on my Twitter timeline anyway, um, is Chara. And I have often said that I don't understand this, um, idea of Chara being some killer. Uh, it's like, no, you know, I mean, again, he's a hall of fame. I'm not taking any away from the player. He's a hall of fame player. And, and I'm sure if he had dedicated himself to being an enforcer, he would have been a really good one. But, um, at the end of the day, he didn't. And he's not, and he's just, he isn't a good fighter. You know, I don't care what people say. It's like, Oh, he beat up, uh, Zach Cassian and Patty Maroon. It's like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, well, next time that's you know, and and Bobby Longgrass, I know you're listening, and I'm gonna have I'm gonna have you on the show, and uh, and and Bobby's a good dude from the Bucket Pod uh, Bucket Drop Podcast, and uh, you know I've been kind of well, a bunch of people have been busting his balls because he's really been going hard with the Chara Top Ten thing, and well, he's got him in his like all time Top Ten, and it's just like no, you know, but uh, we've been kind of giving it to him a little bit, but it isn't good fun, you know. And like I told him, opinions are like assholes, right? But um, no, in terms of, uh, like I tell everybody, just go into YouTube, type in Chara, and go back and watch his fights in the late 90s, early 2000s against any heavyweight. The, uh, trust me on this. I'm not just saying this. The moment the guy starts any offense against him, he bails and goes down. 
every time. Like I always say, what true heavyweight did Chara ever beat? Okay, you got Randy McKay and Karens. And Karens, he kind of jumped him, you know. But okay, I'll give you the Karens one. But he did jump him. But other than that, watch all the fights with Parker, with Neil and LaRock and all of them. The moment they start getting offense on him, he buck, he go, he just goes down. So, yeah, no, he just, no. <laughs> but, um, and then what did I see the other one? Oh, Al Secord. Yeah, again, another thing. Like, you know, hey, great for great player, power guy, 40 goals, good fight, um, or would fight. I just never saw the thing with Secord in terms of fighter. To me, just sort of, he was a wrestler and, I don't, maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. Again, tough. I'm not knocking the guy. I'm a tough dude and everything, but yeah, no. And, um, the, the, probably the big one for me would be Winsink getting left off the list. I would like, I would definitely have him in there instead of Milbury. Um, you know, old wire. He had some great battles and, um, wide open. And, um, yeah, I would, of course, his, his the famous calling on the North star bench that would, uh, That'll go down forever, and of course, Bruins lore. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I would definitely have Winsick in there. And uh, actually, another guy, guys, if you're if you're listening, um, for the folks listening out there, if you want something to do, go onto YouTube and uh, and I, like I said, look up Kluzak, Gord Kluzak, K L U Z Z Z. Let's try that again. Easy for you to say, Kluzak, K L U Z A K. Um, you know, big Saskatchewan D-man, I believe he was the first round, I think he was a first overall picker. He's a top three pick anyway. And unfortunately, injuries really, uh, really wrecked his career. He had a bad back, I believe, or his knee. But, um, tough dude. He has some great fights with like Jim, like mid eighties, tough guy with the Bruins, big D-man. Had some great fights with uh, Dave Brown, Jim Kite. Um, definitely go check those out. You won't be disappointed. Um, you know, and of course, Darren Kimball, I love Darren Kimball and Rogers and all those guys, Dougie Dowell. Uh, Bomber, Belanger, I mean, those guys were all great, but I mean, it, it was just, I kind of just was going by like length of time on the Bruins. Um, I mean, all those guys were tougher than a lot of guys on the list, but I'm just talking about their Bruins years. Um, and I know some people like to throw out like Bobby Orr and it's like, you know, come on. I mean, I know the old guys and he, he, he yeah, well, I'm not going to argue one of the greatest player ever, you know, that people have that argument with him or Gretzky or whatever, but you know, that's a whole other argument and know, and I'm on board for that. But, uh, in terms of a fighter, the few, the Bobby Orr fights I've seen, I mean, again, you know, for a star player, it was like, yeah, he'd get in there, but it was like, settle down. Like let's, he wasn't slaying heavyweights i mean he'd throw a few punches and tackle people or you know if he was fighting people would jump in it's like i know a lot of the old timers i think was it history's revisionist you know and it's like the whole larry robinson thing right so oh, he killed dave hammer schultz and larry was the biggest baddest that's like go watch the fights like schultz literally slips on a stick and robertson kind of hits him a few times it's like settle down with the you know the destroyer of men thing you know, um, again, these are Hall of Fame guys, so it's like not like fighting was on their mind, right? Um, but and the same with Ray Bork. I mean, I've got a few fights of Ray Bork on my YouTube page, and he's really good for his skilled D man and stuff. I mean, he wasn't, you know, he'd throw. It wasn't like he was clueless on what he was doing. But again, let's go easy on the, how great of a fighters they were, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, other than that, guys, I don't really have too much. It was um, like I said, just uh, kind of just 
getting content going for the show and trying to meet the Wednesday deadline and, uh, you know, had a few things going on, uh, last couple of days. So, uh, I'm really trying to line up some guests here and, uh, I will, uh, definitely try to get, uh, well, I, I do have an interview lined up for Thursday, so I will have a guest for you next Wednesday. But, uh, like I said, every Sunday, um, I will be relaunching or re-uploading one of my player interviews from my old website. And, uh, I don't really know who I'll put up this week, probably McIntyre, I think, or Tedarenko maybe. But, um, if you haven't already, like I said, um, I have John Morasti and Brad Wingfeld I put up. I honestly go check those out. They're great with the stories. Um, and so every Wednesday, as you're listening to this, um, new content and on Sundays, we will definitely have, uh, the opening the vault for the foreseeable future. See until my player interviews are done. I think I have 20 some from my old site and I really wanted to get those up. So we'll be doing that every Sunday. So like I said, keep following the hockey podcast network, subscribe. Um, that way you just get notifications when the, when the stuff comes up. Also subscribe to my YouTube channel, fourth line voice on YouTube. I've been getting in, I've been getting new fight DVDs here, hot and heavy last couple of weeks. So I just added like 10 new fights today, actually on the, on the page. So some old WHL stuff, some old Niagara Falls thunder from the OHL. Um, you know, actually it's some Nova Scotia Oilers stuff. I had really put, put up a couple good Jeff Bukaboom fights, a Marty McSorley fight with Bruce Schubert bottom from the American league 1985. So, I mean, some pretty cool, uh, rare stuff that, uh, that isn't out there. So, um, subscribe, you know, like again, fourth line voice on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. Um, about 19,000 subscribers or 19, pardon me. I wish 19,000, 1900 subscribers. Um, so definitely check it out. Like I said, we're on iTunes, Spotify, we're on all the different platforms. Um, if you could rate and review the show, it really helps me out in terms of search and stuff. And, uh, and Hey, follow me on Twitter at fourth line voice. Um, you know, sign up, drop me my, as they say, DMS are open. Um, send me a message. Tell me what you thought of the show, what, what you'd like as a topic maybe, or what you'd like me to talk about or who to have on, or if you want to come on and have a story to tell, let me know. I'm, Hey, I'm always open for that. And, uh, Love to sit and talk to fans from different areas and, and get your hockey fandom history in terms of the tough guys in that area. And, uh, for sure, drop me a line. Like I said, it's, uh, on Twitter, I'm easy to find and I'll get back to you usually right away. And, uh, no, that'd be really cool. But, uh, other than that, like I said, other than the, the other shows in the hockey podcast network, you know, I always got to, uh, you know, show love to my boys out there, you know, Alec on the five for fighting podcast. Actually, he just put an episode I had up or I did with him, him and, uh, uh, Dr. Chris, um, we, uh, we got, uh, got into the drinks and, uh, had a, had a, had a drunken group chat and Alex hit record and we had a lot of fun talking and, uh, and, uh, like I said, we had a lot of laughs and, uh, I, you know, five for fighting, go check that out. And, uh, you know, um, William over at the biscuit, of course, then, you know, Dan at the obey the puck show and, uh, get the gate and the slew foot show. I hope those guys are still out there. I mean, I know with the, I know they're kind of an in-person, you know, it's kind of a team, team chat thing. So I know with the, probably with the virus, um, I know they've probably taken a bit of a break or whatever. It's a little tough for them to record, but hopefully they get back at it. And I mean, I hate current hockey, but I mean, those shows I'd actually listen to cause I like those guys. So, um, I hope they're out there listening guys. Um, I hope you, everybody's doing well. And hey, like I said, everybody listening out there, I hope you guys are doing well. And thank you for supporting the show. Uh, somebody had sent me some uh, a screenshot of some charts or whatever, and I was the old Fourth Line Voice podcast was fifty or something in the in the hockey in the rankings of the hockey podcast. So um, you know that was that was pretty cool. Um, you know, so it's always nice to to know people are listening. Um, I question why people listen. <laughs> no, I kid, but you guys have some questionable taste. 
But, uh, oh, and Joe from the Coliseum Chronicles, uh, didn't mean to leave Joe out. He's been doing a great job and just nailing it with guests too. I'm going to ask him what his secret is to getting players to answer the phone. I need that secret, <laughs> but, uh, no guys, thank you very much. I know it's a, I know, can you believe it? Like a 35 minute episode from me. This is like a record. Um, but, uh, no, I will, uh, like I said, I'm going to try to keep bringing you guys content every Wednesday. And, uh, and, and like I said, for, for all the shows that are out there, um, thank you for choosing mine to listen to, um, or not just mine, but you know what I'm saying? Including me in your podcasting rotation. Cause like I said, I know there's only so much time in the day and, uh, and, um, and for the most part, a lot of my shows will go a couple hours. So, I mean, it's a, it's a commitment to tune in and, um, and I appreciate it. And I appreciate all the, all the kind words on Twitter and, uh, and the feedback that I get. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you could let the hockey podcast guys know, I mean, they're sort of my employers at this point, uh, let them know that you're enjoying the, the fourth line voice and, uh, you know, show them some love. And if you could, uh, like I said, subscribe to this channel and, uh, and, and rate and review. It's, it's a positive, like I say, cause there's advertisers and, and I mean, and those guys are, are doing a lot of work behind the scenes for my show. I mean, at this point, I just kind of record and send it to them and Isha and Derek and them do the rest. And, uh, I know they're, they're really working hard and, and they're doing a great job in terms of, uh, you know, um, promoting, promoting my show and, uh, uh, far better than I could do. So, um, if you guys could, you know, really, um, show them some love as well. I mean, it, it would be appreciated. Like I said, there's advertisers involved and I mean, these guys are doing it on their own dime. Right. So, I mean, if you guys could help them out, that'd be great. And, uh, and, uh, and, and as well as, as myself, it's, um, you know, um, I know there is talk of merchandise coming and, uh, I have some really cool logo ideas and, um, you know, and if you guys could, uh, you know, buy a shirt or something or a coffee mug or whatever, we'll see when it comes out. I mean, that'd be great. And, uh, you know, um, just to, you know, cover the cost of my Skype bill, really. I mean, I'm not looking to get rich or anything. And like, I know times are tough right now. So, I mean, I'm certainly not expecting people to throw money, you know, just, in the wind. Um, so I really wanted to, uh, you know, put out a cool, uh, merchandise product. So, I mean, it's been a lot of, uh, looking into stuff and making sure the quality is good. And, uh, you know, so people get, you know, their money's worth in terms of what they're buying. So, and, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm trying a few different things. I'm going to have some contests coming up, going to do some autograph giveaways and, uh, you know, tough guy stuff and, uh, which I think will be a lot of fun. And, uh, and this, I know there's a long weekend coming and I'm really going to start, I'm going to do another Twitter tournament coming up, dynamic duos. We're going to go for the Twitter tag team title. We're going to, you know, McSorley and Samanko are defending champs. So we're going to do, I'm going to do that again. Those Twitter tournaments are always fun and that uh, creates a lot of, uh, a lot of talk on Twitter. So if you're not on Twitter, I really do recommend that you start a profile and at least jump on there. Yeah, I know it's social media. Believe me, I get it. But, uh, you know, there's still a few of us on there that uh, have a lot of fun with some old time fans and we enjoy it with the pictures and the, and the videos and the sharing. Also, if you're on Facebook, go to the Enforcer Appreciation page. They got like 10,000 members. Alex doing a great job. And I know those guys have a lot of fun over there. So, I recommend that as well, but, uh, I'll get out of here guys. I'm going to go crack some beers and go barbecue. Um, but, uh, thank you very much for tuning in and, uh, we will, uh, we will talk to you soon. All right, guys. Thanks. Take it easy. Have a good night. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?